Welcome to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our 402 series, Open Heart Surgery, a look at the attitudes of our heart. We hope you enjoy this message from staff member Luke Johnson. Hi, everyone. Uh, a few weeks ago, I saw Clayton up here with his tea, and I thought it looked really cool, so I'd give it a try today. Also, I woke up with a scratchy throat, so that's cool. Uh, plus, it makes me relatable. I like hot beverages just like you guys. Um, anyway, my name is Luke. Uh, you may or may not know me. Uh, I have the privilege to be on staff here at the BSM, and I have the even greater privilege to be married to Becca Johnson. And if, that's right. There's a reason they, she got so many woos, because she's really great. If you don't know her, I highly suggest it. Your life will be changed forever. Mine was. Um, we don't have any kids. Uh, we do have a dog, or rather, our, you could say our dog has us. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as her emotional support people, <laughs> because she has some anxiety issues. Um, but she's really great. She's really sweet. We love her a lot. Uh, you just have to, she just has to get to know you uh, before, she's, before she's sweet. But I, I'm, I just really want you guys to, to know me, uh, which is hard to do from a stage show. I'm just going to share a little bit about myself. Some hobbies of mine include, but are not limited to, cooking. I love to cook. Uh, I've recently taken up skateboarding, but I'm still on the, the downhill only kind of phase. I don't go uphill. Uh, I let gravity do the work for me. Work smarter, not harder. That's what I always heard. Uh, and generally, I just love being outside. Um, I also love to... Uh, um, I love <laughs> and to enable my wife's plant obsession. Um, plants really make her smile, and I love to make her smile. So I'm just shooting for all the brownie points tonight. Um, but my favorite hobby would have to be film. Uh, no, I don't, I don't make movies. Uh, that's what I mean by film. But I watch a lot of movies, and I mean a lot of movies. But I don't, I don't just watch movies. I watch YouTube videos about movies. I listen to podcasts about movies. Uh, in February, Super Bowl season, uh, when most guys are making picks for the Super Bowl or are lining up their, their brackets for March Madness, me and my friends, we, uh, we make brackets for the Oscars and picks to see who's going to win the Oscars. Uh, it's not Super Bowl season, it's Oscar season. Um, and honestly, you could name any, any major actor, and I could give you five movies off the top of my head that they're in. And I don't say that to brag, just to show you how deep this rabbit hole goes. Uh, I really love movies. Uh, and the thing I love about movies is they're such an intricate art form. Because um, it's, it's not just something you look at, and it's not just something you hear, but it's something you look at and hear. It's something you experience on multiple levels. Uh, so a good movie is something that you, in, you can enjoy and, and appreciate on multiple levels. Visually, it's beautiful. The, the colors are right. Uh, cool camera shots, whatever. Um, but also, uh, the writing has to be good. The story has to be good. Uh, you can be transported to completely other worlds or time periods, places that don't even exist. But you feel like you know them. You feel like they're real because, because you relate. You're, you're drawn in. You relate to the story. You're, you're, you're engaged. Uh, and it's something that you experience rather than you just watch. And I, just, I really love the intricacies of all of that, um, which is why uh, so many people are involved in the movie-making process. And we all know that. 
because we've sat through the 30 minutes of names scrolling across the screen after the movie because we're, we're waiting for the, the end credit scene, even though we know there's not going to be one because it's Frozen 2, but Marvel has us paranoid that we're going to miss something if we don't wait till the end, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, but it's uh, those names that we, we never really forget or, or that we, we never remember. We always forget those names. We don't care about those names. Uh, but it's the names of the people's faces we see, the names of the people we connect to emotionally that we remember. Uh, a lot, names like Brad Pitt. Do you all know Brad Pitt? Or Scarlett Johansson, yeah? Yeah, so you all know these names because you've seen them. But I would wager all the plants in my house... <laughs> I would wager all the plants in my house, which is a lot, that these names that we remember are the least important names in the filmmaking process. Uh, because here's why. You can have if, you have, if you have a movie with bad actors, but you have good directing, good writing, good cinematography, good art department and makeup and, and wardrobe, that's what that is, costumes, and props and whatnot, then you're going to end up with a pretty good movie. Exhibit A, Harry Potter. You start a movie franchise with 11-year-olds. Like, that's a gamble, right? Because you don't know who that 11-year-old's going to grow up to be. And yeah, you might get lucky with Emma Watson, who's a great actress and carries most of the acting weight in that movie. But you also end up with Daniel Radcliffe, who's not a good actor. I'm sorry for a big Dan Radcliffe fan, but he's not. However, those movies are still pretty good because everything else behind it is really good. So you still relate to the story. You still get the, the emotion uh, and things out of it. On the flip side of that, you can have good actors, but if you have bad directing, bad writing, way too much CGI, you end up with the DCEU. Um, that's like Justice League, Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And if you're, if you're big fans of those movies, that's not a personal jab. I like movies that are bad too. Um, they're, they're just not good. Uh, but movies aren't the only place where, where we see this idea exhibited. If you look at football, uh, who's the person on a football team that's most recognizable? The, the quarterback. Yeah, I didn't, you have to explain it. The, the quarterback. Great. But behind every good quarterback, or rather in front of every good quarterback, is a good O-line, right? So the quarterback gets all the trophies, gets all the recognition, gets interviewed coming off the field, but if the O-line doesn't do his job, like, he's got nothing. Like, he's sacked all day long. And no, one, no one wins a game and says, way to go, center. You did your job right. It's all on the quarterback, right? Um, or, or maybe more in a classroom setting uh, with your, your GAs, your graduate assistants. Like, who's really grading your papers? Who's really grading your tests? Uh, you can sit through a lecture all day long, but you don't really get it until you go to the SI, right? Yeah, but who has the title of professor with the paycheck of professor? It's your professor, not your GA. Um, or uh, we'll, take, we'll take 402, for example. How many of you are sitting in a chair right now? Yeah, <laughs> it's not a trick question. All of you are. Um, and so it's easy to come to 402, and you recognize the house band, maybe. <laughs> it depends on who's here. Uh, you recognize the house band, and you recognize the speaker. But what you don't recognize is a whole team of people that set this place up so that you can feel welcome and you can sit comfortably, maybe not so comfortably, in a, in a metal chair. Um, but regardless, you're sitting, so that's nice. And so we often, we don't realize um, how many people contribute 
to things in our lives. And I find this to be especially true in ministry. Um, we'll keep going with this BSM example. Uh, it's easy, even with, with 402, I can point out the people in this crowd uh, who set up these chairs. And we can recognize them. I can pull them on stage and make a lot of them uncomfortable. Uh, and we can say, good job, guys. But what we can't do, what you may not realize, is that there are people from across the state and even across the country that I've never met before, I know you've never met them, that if they were not a part of the BSM, if they did not believe in the BSM, we wouldn't be here. We couldn't be here. If we were here, we'd be in the dark because we couldn't pay the electric bill to turn the lights on. Uh, and it'd probably be someone uh, who's not graduated from college <laughs> because we, we would have to be working for a living. Um, but there's people that, that from across the state and across the country, and I, I'm not kidding on that, that give money to the BSM so that we can be here to serve Tarleton, to serve you guys. Um, and so, <clears throat> just, like, uh, just like the names in the movies that we often forget uh, or don't even read as they scroll across the screen, um, God calls us to play a crucial role in ministry by funding it. Um, so if, you're, if you've been with us this semester, or if this is your first time at, at 4.2, we've been going through this series called Hard Attitudes. Hard Attitudes. Um, and what hard attitudes are, are these things that, that God asks us to do as, as Christians, as people that have a relationship with him. Uh, they're not exactly commands, but it's more like an attitude that we're supposed to take up. Um, so if you're in this room and you don't fit that category, maybe new to this faith thing, just trying to, trying to check out this Jesus thing, uh, you know you don't have a relationship with him, your, your roommate just drug you here, um, won't welcome. Uh, two, uh, I'm, these, these mostly apply to people that do fit that category, um, but there's, a, there's some nuggets here, some, just some good advice. Uh, so... If, that, if you don't fit that, that category, don't tune me out because like, this is just good living. It helps you love, love other people well and love yourself well. And so, so stay tuned. Uh, but uh, the hard attitude we're looking at tonight uh, and our big idea is this, that God wants us to fund, support his ministry financially. Um, and disclaimer, uh, this is not me saying that you need to give the BSM money and that's not what this conversation is about. We're not going to pass a bucket around at the end of this for you to put money in. Uh, so that's not this conversation. That's, that's not what's happening here. Uh, we are going to talk about money and your money and, and how you can or cannot use that. Um, but we're going to talk about it through the, the lens of, of the Bible, through the frame of the Bible. I'm not going to tell you what to do, um, <clears throat> which is fair because the Bible says a lot about money. In fact, it's one of Jesus' most talked about subjects. More than anything else in the world, when Jesus was here in his, the ministry we have recorded of him, which is about three years worth, he talks about money the most, which I think says a lot about how we relate to money. Um, but if you're new to us or new to the Bible, the Bible is broken up into two parts. First, you have the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God creates everything, and everything is perfect, and we live with God um, but we mess that up, uh, and we keep trying to fix it, but we keep messing it up until eventually the New Testament comes around where God comes to us in the form of Jesus to fix it once and for all, and now we're here. Um, but we're going to be looking in Matthew 
chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, flip them on or flip them open. And as you're flipping through Matthew, if you see Matthew 6, you might put your finger there or your connection card that you're probably sitting on. Um, As as a little placeholder, we'll we'll go there next. Um, If not, it'll be on the screen. But we're going to be in Matthew 25, verse 14. And here we have Jesus telling a story. Um, So I'm just going to read it, and we'll talk about it. So it says, Matthew 25, verse 14, For it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. Then he went away. Uh, He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also did he who made, who had received the two talents, made two more. Uh, But he who had the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Uh, So quick recap. Uh, The story is is a guy who has a lot of money. He, when that's what a talent is, that's what he's talking about talents. It's not this guy saying, and now you're really good at baseball, and you're really good at playing the guitar, and you're really good at math. That's, that's not the kind of talents we're, we're working with. Um, it's, it's just like it describes an amount of money, and no one really knows how much, but it's not super important. It's just some money. Um, so he gives some money uh, to, to his masters, uh, to his servants, and leaves. Uh, so moving on. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came to settle his accounts. Uh, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, I I delivered to you my... Wait, sorry. You delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Now enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had two talents came forward, saying, Master... You delivered to me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Now I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So the two guys go and trade the money, and, it, and it's like an investment, so it like doubles back on them. They bring all this back to the master. They give it to him, and the master gives it back to them. It says, Good job. Enjoy. Essentially, that's, that's what's happening. Um, let's see what happens to, to the other guy. It says, if we go on, he also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is your own. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money in the bankers so that my, at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there's weeping, gnashing of teeth. So this, one, this last servant came with his one talent that he hid in the ground and says, Here's you have what he deserves. And the master called him evil and wicked and slothful and worthless, took his 
what, he, what he had given him, gave it to someone else, and then cast him into the outer darkness with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not exactly sure what it means by weeping and gnashing of teeth, but I don't really want to find out, honestly. And so this story um, is what's called a parable, um, which is a story that Jesus told often, uh, a type of story Jesus told often that really is just, it's a fictional story that paints a picture of, of our reality. Um, so this is a story Jesus is telling to, to show a reality, um, and it's, it's really our reality. Um, so we can infer that the master in the story is God, and the servants in the story is us, right? Um, and so from that, we can, we can see that, that everything we have been given is given to us by God. So that God created everything, right? The sun, the moon, the earth, the chair you're sitting in, everything God created. And so he gave us some things. He entrusted us his wealth, like he says in the story, um, for, so that we can work with it, we can do things with it. Um, the, the next thing we see is that we are not judged based on what we have, but what we do with it. So the master didn't, didn't come back into his servant and say, you don't have as much as this guy, so you're out, right? But what he, what he did is he's judged, the, the servants are judged based off what they've done with what the master gave them. Because the master gave them everything. So it wouldn't be fair to judge someone based on what they, what they have and what they don't have, but rather what they do with it. Um, so the, the clear application for us in this story is that we, w- we should desire to be like the, the two servants uh, who, who got the, the pat on the back and God said, good job and enjoy. Unless you, I, you don't want to know what weeping and gnashing of teeth is like. Um, and so the question that this, this raises is how then do we invest what God has given us so that it doubles back on us like the two servants? Um, and I think Jesus gives a pretty good answer to that question uh, later, earlier on in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6. So if you put your finger there, <clears throat> now's the time. If not, it'll be on the screen. Uh, and in, in verse 19 of chapter 6, Jesus says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where th- thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, so we see that in this, Jesus is telling us not to, not to, to invest in things of, of this world. Uh, so this call is, is not a call for us to drop our majors and change into accounting and then go straight to Wall Street and become like the best investment banker in the world. Uh, all of that's, that's your dream. Go for it. That's not my dream. Um, but what, what this is saying is we should, we should look for things that have eternal value and put our, our money, put our time, put our, our energy and the things that God has given us to those things. We should put the things uh, that, that have eternal value, the things God has given us, we should put those towards the things that have eternal value. Because things that have eternal value have eternal return. Um, so this isn't like a, a transactional thing where uh, the offering plate comes around on a Sunday and you throw a 10 in there 
then later on in the week, you just randomly find a 20 in your pocket. That's not how this works. Um, if someone tells you that, it's a lie. It's not, it's not how it works. But what this does mean is that if we, if we invest our money and our time and our energy in things um, of, of eternal value, that what we get in return is, is something that, that money can't buy. Um, it's, and I, it's hard for, hard for me to describe, but once you feel it, you know it because you get addicted to it. Uh, it's more addicting than crack. Um, but it's like this joy uh, and this, this pride uh, and the sense of accomplishment of coming along, alongside God and what he's trying to do. And that's really what it is whenever you put your money towards, towards something with eternal value. Um, so you, if, you, if you put your money in an offering, pra- offering, offering plate, it's not just so that um, the church can turn the lights on next month. It's not just so that the pastor can feed his family with his grocery bill. Although functionally, the money might be used for that. But what it is really doing is it's enabling, it's enabling people to encounter God. It's enabling people to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel and enter into the kingdom. And that is of eternal value. And so when we invest in eternal value, we get eternal return and something that, that is far, far greater than money. And this also shows our love for the Lord. Um, that last verse is something that haunts me. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, because, <clears throat> which, is, which is true. If you look at my, my bank statements, you'll, you'll know what's important to me. Um, well, actually, you'd have to look at more than my bank statements. There's not a, there's not a quarter in, in the Johnson household because we spend them all at the movie store. Because you can rent movies. They're <laughs> super cheap. It's really great. <laughs> but also, we do go to the movies a lot. Um, but you can look at, at my bank statement, and you should be able to see what is important to me. Um, just like I can look at where you spend your money and know that you really love Waterbury. Right? <laughs> maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but where your treasure lies, there your heart will be also. Where we put our money, where our money is invested, that is where, that's where our heart really lies. So if we, if we put our money towards things that, that have te- temporary or earthly value, then our heart is going to be set on earthly value. And we're going to receive nothing but earthly value in return. But if, we set, if, our, if our money is, is, is invested into things of eternal value, then our heart will be set on things of eternal value. And we'll receive eternal return. And also... I just want to make uh, another disclaimer. Uh, this, this whole idea of giving, this is not something that God wants from us, but it's something God wants for us. There's the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, welcome, uh, Dr. Harley. Anyway, this is not something that God wants from us, but it's something that God wants for us. What I mean by that is that it's really easy for us to, to think I mean, God, why do you need my money? Like, why do you want to take my money away from me? Like, why do you want to take my happiness, my time away from me? Uh, and really, he doesn't. One, he doesn't need your money. Like, how, how arrogant of us to think that God, who created us, created money, needs our money. Because if he needed something, he would just make it, right? But... Um, uh, those fireworks, man. 
wasn't ready for that. Um, <clears throat> how arrogant of us to think that God uh, needs our money. Um, furthermore, this is something, because God is, is smarter than us, is wiser than us, knows us better than we know ourselves, he knows that, that this is something that's good for us. So it's not something he wants from us, but it's something he wants for us because it's good for us. And you're thinking, how could giving my money to a church or to a missionary or a ministry be good for me? Um, because I don't have a lot of money, right? Well, because so often money becomes an idol for us. And what I mean by idol uh, is, is something that, that we tend to put ahead of God. Uh, and so money is, is constantly on that, on that, that teeter-totter, um, on that scale. We're constantly fighting to, to keep God in front of that. Uh, that's why if you continue further in Matthew 6, just a little bit, uh, there's this, this nice little thing where, where Jesus says, you can't serve God and money. Like that's a direct quote. You can't serve God and money uh, because, because he knows that it becomes an idol for us. And so by, by relinquishing control of our finances, it relinquishes the, the idol that we have set on our hearts. Um, and so this leaves us with the question, what do we need to do about it tonight? And this is not where I tell you where you should spend your money because I can't tell you that. That's between you and the Lord. Um, but what I will encourage you to do is, one, examine your heart. Look at your heart and ask yourself, if, if you love God, does where you spend your money reflect that? Does where your money is going reflect your love for God? Because it reflects your love for something. So examine your heart and see if, if, if there, there's an idol there. And what I mean is, is see if there's something you're holding back. Because a lot of times um, when God asks us to, to, to surrender our lives, we'll say, okay, you can, have, you can have these things, but this is something I'm going to keep. And for me, what this was, was my savings account. Uh, for, for the longest time, I, w- I was raised on this idea that you, you give a little, you spend a little, and you save a lot. That's how my parents raised me. In high school, I'd get my paycheck, and I'd give it to my mom because she worked at a bank. She's my financial advisor. Um, and I would say... She'd be like, what do you want me to do with it? I'd say uh, 10, 20, 70. So 10 was my tithe. I give that to the church. 20 was what I would spend on mostly gas. And the 70 is what I would save. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, and so <laughs> completely opposite of, of most high schoolers. I know. Um, but the reason why this was an idol, money was an idol for me, um, not, because, not because I wanted to be rich. That's not why I was saving so much money. And when we think about money being an idol, we often think about someone who wants to be rich. Um, but I didn't want to be rich. So I didn't think money was an idol for me. Um, but what I found is that that number in my bank account was less of this is how rich I am, and this is how, but more of this is how safe I am. So if anything happens, I got it. If I need to pay for something, my car breaks down, I got it. Uh, if I need to, to buy food for my family, I got it. If something happens and I lose my job, I got it. 
it wasn't so much that I had this, this ethereal treasure ahead of me that I was chasing after, but more of I just, I found security in something that wasn't God, that was my bank account. And a lot of times that's what money is for us, whether it's a bank account you have now or a bank account that you're going to have, right, whenever you become a doctor uh, or an astrophysicist or something that pays more money than, I don't know. A lot of times it's, it's that that we're chasing for security. Um, but we can't, so examine your hearts for idols. Um, but also, I want to point out um, that being a poor college student is not an excuse. Because even, even the servant that had the one talent, even the servant that had the one talent, uh, he was still accountable with what he did with it. And so you may be in the room, and you may be paying your way through college on your own, which kudos to you. Like, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a small task. That's a big deal. But because, just because that may be the case doesn't excuse you from what you're doing with your money. And this is not me saying that you need to take everything you have for school and throw it into a ministry, because that's probably not what God's asking you to do, honestly. Maybe, I don't know. But, but we cannot, this is less of that conversation and more of a conversation of just holding your money with an open hand rather than a closed fist. Because yeah, if you, if you hold your money with an open hand, God might take it away from you. God may take it and put it towards something else, but he can also give you things. And I'm not, not I don't mean money, although he can, but it's not what I mean. He can give you the joy of, of working with him, the, the joy and the freedom from the stress of, of working for the next paycheck, living from paycheck to paycheck. Like when you, when you live with open hands, like you don't have to worry about yourself because you're, you're not trusting money for your security, you're trusting God with your security. And God is a lot bigger and a lot more powerful God than money is. So start now. Um, the thing he says to the, to the good servants is you've been faithful over a little, therefore I'll set you over much. And so how can, how can you expect to be faithful with much whenever you don't have, whenever you're not faithful with a little that you have now? So this isn't something for your future, this is something for now. And there's always ways that you can, you can make, make room to give to things with eternal value. Um, some of you may be in here. This might step on some toes. Some of you may be in here, and you, <laughs> you eat Whataburger, like, every week. Uh, I, don't, I like Whataburger, so you, that's what I'm going to say. You eat Whataburger every week whenever you have a, a, a meal plan at the dining hall that you've already paid for, yet you spend money that you haven't already spent on food that you could get with money you've already spent. That was me in college. And the Lord convicted me of that. And I said, oh, wow, I got to start eating at the D-Hall. Let me tell you, the D-Hall I had was way worse than the D-Hall you have. So if I can do it, you can do it. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But, but there's, there's ways you can carve out. If you, rather than going out to eat every week, that's $10 a week that you could give to something with eternal value. 
I'm not saying don't go out to eat ever, but just less. Go out to eat less. Eat, eat in the D hall once a week. It's, it's not going to kill you. Um, if that's not you, um, maybe, maybe, maybe you have a job, and, and maybe you have that job, and every ounce of it has to go, into, go towards your rent or towards something else, towards your school. What would it look like for you to trust God, maybe, and ask if you need to take a portion of that and give it to someone else, or give, give, it, give it to your church, uh, or, or support a ministry. I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm saying you should ask to hold, hold that paycheck with an open hand. <clears throat> what would it look like for you, um, even, even, if it's, even if it's a dollar, what would it look like for you to start giving now? Because one, that would set up a good habit for when you do have money. You'd be faithful over little. Therefore, you'll be faithful when you have much. Um, but two, just all throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, there's stories where, where the, the, the poorest person gives the little bit they have, and it makes the most difference. Um, there's one, uh, one story I really love. Uh, it's about a church that this guy, Paul, who wrote the, most of the New Testament, um, he commends this church uh, one, to the letter that he wrote to them, but also to letters of other people he wrote to because they were poor, and yet they gave, they gave beyond their means to, to ministry, to things with eternal value. And one of the things he says uh, to them in Philippians 4.19, he says this, that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So when we trust God, we know that we can trust God with our money because he is glorious and he will take care of us and he'll provide for us. So in all of this, there's something we need to understand and it's that we are able to give and give generously because we are generously given to. Um, if you're in this room and you're breathing, check your pulse, you're still alive, good. Um, if you're in this room and you're breathing, that's no matter the circumstances outside of this room in your life, that is more than you deserve. It's more than you deserve to be here right now. And here's the reason why. Uh, I told you earlier that, that in the beginning, God created everything, and we lived with him, and it was perfect, and then we messed it up. Well, what that did is that created separation for us. And because God is perfect, and we were no longer perfect, like, he had every right to just take us out. And he did a couple times. If you think Game of Thrones is crazy, you should read Genesis. It'll give Game of Thrones a run for its money, I promise you. But he had every right to take us out, and he has every right to take us out right now. But he didn't. Rather, what he did, because we couldn't get back to him, he came to us in the form of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life, a life without sin, and died a death that he doesn't deserve uh, because sin is what, what makes us deserve death. But he didn't sin, so he didn't deserve to die. Then he, he rose again from the third day, on the third day, showing his power over sin and death so we could have a relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 relates all of this to money, which I think is super cool. As it says, um, that for we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. 
So God, Jesus was with God and was God, but came down to earth in, in poverty. Like he came as a baby in the most un, unassuming circumstances. Like you know the, you know the, the Christmas story. Uh, and he came, he, he forsook his, his riches. He, he turned away from his riches to become poor and died the death of a poor person so that we could be rich. Not monetarily, but we could be rich in spirit. So this is the picture that that, that verse paints, that without Jesus, we are spiritually poor. Meaning that we are doomed to be separated from God forever because God can give us anything and everything we've ever wanted. That he is anything and everything we've ever wanted. But with Jesus, we have relationship with God and we have, we have the fulfillment, we have the satisfaction of him. That he is everything we could ever need and everything we could ever want. So if you're in this room and you, you know that's not you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, um, maybe you've just never heard that before, um, I, I really encourage you to not leave this room without considering the spiritual poverty you may live, live in. But also consider the spiritual wealth that is offered to you now. Um, and so if you have questions about that, if that is you, uh, you can write that on your, your connection card that you're probably sitting on. Um, so if your chair feels lumpy, that's why. Um, you write on your connection card, or you can find me uh, or someone uh, who looks like they know what they're doing, and we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, but as for the rest of us, as we leave here this, this evening, um, would, we, would we be a people who love God uh, and the things of God in a way that is proven by our bank accounts? Would our treasure prove that we love God and the things of God? Thank you for listening to the Tarleton BSM Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe. To keep up with everything Tarleton BSM, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tarleton BSM. See you next time.